In the name of Jesus, amen. Tonight we remember the night when Jesus was betrayed, the night when his trial began, the night of his agony and prayer in the garden, the night when he washed the disciples' feet, the night he gave his flesh and blood to eat and to drink. On the same night, the devil put it into Judas's heart to betray the Son of God. And you should learn this well. The desire to betray Jesus, that is to sin against him, is indeed diabolical. What Judas did to our Lord was indeed satanic, but nevertheless, the devil didn't make Judas do it. Rather, he simply tempted him to do it. The devil only held money and riches before Judas' face, and of his own free will to sin, Judas gave in. And when Judas decided to give into the temptation, the temptation of getting 30 pieces of silver in return for betraying God, then Scripture says that Satan entered him. Take note, it wasn't until after Judas willingly, purposefully, deliberately, and persistently entertained, accepted, and carried out that sin that the devil entered him and then took over. Judas's heart and mind were hardened, and the devil possessed him. His heart was hardened against Jesus' will, and Judas was forced then from that point on to do the will only of the devil. In deliberately betraying Christ, Judas fell headlong into sin and unbelief and he lost all ability to do any good possible. And he closed his ears to Jesus' word and he hardened his heart. He decided against him. He chose against Christ and rejected the admonition of Christ over and over again from that point on. This account of Judas betraying Jesus is the saddest and the most terrifying in all of Scripture. This text reminds us from where sin comes and who truly desires for us to carry it out. It's none other than the devil himself. The devil longs for you to love your sin, to fall in love with it, to care for it, protect it, defend it, and to take it lightly. This text shows the gravity of sin and where sin can take us. But even though Christians listen and meditate on this text year after year, how many refuse to take sin seriously? How many flippantly joke, laugh, and talk about their sin, their drunkenness, their shame, their fornication, their gossip, whatever the sin might be? I've confronted many couples who are living in sin by, by living together before marriage. And the response usually, or the response without fail is, look, don't judge me, nobody's perfect, everybody sins, it's okay, get off my back. It's simply another way to defend their sin. They justify it, they refuse it, and they re refuse to confess it. How many times have you seen people get angry and defensive when you point out their manifest and public sin, and when you warn them of the danger of taking it so lightly. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians say, look, I sin on purpose. It's okay. God forgives me. I could do what I want. He'll be there for me. Those who believe the unbiblical and faith-damaging cliche, once saved, always saved, these are the ones who end up taking their sin lightly. They think they can never lose the blessing of salvation 
that God so freely gives. They think that they can never reject it later. If you think that you can't lose your salvation, then you need to read the gospel lesson for today again and again and again and learn from Judas's disaster of a life. Judas once was saved, but he wasn't always saved. He once believed, and then he fell away. He once had hope in Christ, and then he fell into despair. He once believed the truth of God's word, preached it with all of his might, performed miracles in the name of Christ, healed people in the name of Jesus, and even witnessed the awesome works of God, uh, the feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000, walking on water. He witnessed all of these things, and then he fell away from it for things that moth and rust destroy. He once had the bliss of God's holy and precious forgiveness, and then he threw it away. It's not that Judas never believed. It's that he stopped believing. It's not that Jesus didn't love Judas. It's that Judas stopped loving Jesus. It's not that Jesus betrayed Judas, but Judas betrayed him. Judas belonged to those who hate the light, and he wanted the darkness to cover his deeds, and so this is why he carried it out at night. There was shame. There was night in him, and there was night about him, and he became a child of darkness and damnation. So don't ever take your sin lightly. It's a frighteningly enormous sin to think that your sin is small or insignificant. When you do this, you end up pushing away the Holy Spirit and you trample over the blood of Christ. You kill your faith. We learn this from David, the Christian, who sinned on purpose. He murdered Uriah, he slept with Bathsheba, and he defended his sin. And then afterward, he was called to repentance and says, Restore to me the joy of salvation. He asked God to restore this salvation and this joy because he had lost it. Hebrews 10.26 says this, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Do you get these words? Do you believe this warning? Do you take it seriously? Do you realize that what happens uh, what, when you harden your heart against the Lord? Do you understand that what happens, uh, what happens when you deliberately do what is evil, even though you know what is good and you know what is right and you know what God's word says and yet you persistently and stubbornly do the thing, not that God wants, but the thing that you want to do? Do you understand what happens Do you comprehend the severity of how evil sin is? This very thought, these very words should frighten us. Frighten us to death. When you purposely sin, that very well could be your last moment. When you proudly turn your back on Christ, that could be the very last time you saw his face. Whenever you close your ears to his word, that could be the last time you hear it. When you lift your heel against him, that could be the last time that you were ever near him. Don't think that what happened to Judas cannot happen to you. Judas was a man. He was flesh and bone. There's no sin anyone can do that you cannot do also. So this is why we can't take sin lightly. 
This is why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. God doesn't tempt us, but we pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us from the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, that these things wouldn't deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, or other great shame and vice, as Luther's small catechism says. But understand that you can't pray these words rightly, lead us not into temptation, if you gladly consent to the temptations of the devil, if you seek them out. You can't ask God to lead you away from temptation if in the meantime you're running headlong into it, refusing to resist it, and stubbornly giving into it. So at this time, you must examine yourself. You might think, look, I don't worry about that. I'm not betraying Jesus unto death. I'm no Judas. I'm not doing what he did. I'm not looking for 30 pieces of silver. I'm not looking to get anything out of it. But beware, because we've done it so much, so many times for much less. Look back on your life and try to count the times that you have known what God's law demands, and yet you've done the exact opposite for nothing in return. And how many times have you sinned on purpose, deliberately? You knew what was better, and yet you didn't do it. And how many times have you entertained the evil thoughts of revenge or adultery or covetousness in your heart? How many times have you planned the wicked words that you're going to say or the evil works that you're going to do before you actually do them? How many times have you refused to do what is good and holy simply because you'd rather do what you'd like than what God says? How many times have you set out to get others, to gossip about them, to slander them, to get revenge, to get even? How many times have we refused to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord? Remember this, that whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me, says our Lord. This goes for good and for evil. This means when you sin against your brother, you sin against your Christ. When you betray your neighbor, your loved one, your pastor, with awful words and deeds, when you breathe hate against them, know that you do it against Christ. Whenever you willingly give into the devil's temptation, you betray your Lord. And to betray God's word is to betray him himself. And so look at us. We're here on this Monday Thursday. Here we are along with the rest of the world who chose to betray the God of heaven and earth. And here we are on this blessed Monday Thursday with nothing but empty hands stained with sin. Here we are with unclean lips and from a people of unclean lips who betray our Lord with a kiss. Here we are numbered with those who were marked with dust and ashes on our foreheads to remind us that because of our sin, our lungs will then stop breathing. Our hearts will one day stop beating and our bodies will rot and decompose in the grave as we receive this curse. Here we are with our mortal bodies decaying before our very eyes. Yet here we are having to confess that, all, confess that we all have betrayed our Lord, given in to our sin, not only out of our weakness, but even many times on purpose. And so listen to these words. In all of this, knowing all of these things, knowing the gravity of sin, how, where it comes from and who wants you to do it, knowing that it's not only in us, but we, it comes out of us as well. 
knowing that we can't get rid of it ourselves, what does Christ do? How does he respond? In the final moments of Jesus' life, you see him still trying to win Judas back. Even though Christ knew all things, he still had it in his mind and in his heart to win Judas away from his sin and from damnation, if at all possible. And when you stood behind Judas, joining the long line of of those who betrayed Christ, what did Jesus do? He responded by refusing to betray you. When you abandoned him in your sin, he refused to abandon you back. In that moment when no one was left to love him, Christ chose to love you by accepting and enduring all abuse and all scorn and all pain. He chose faithfulness to you through the whips that tore the flesh off of his back. He chose to wrap his arms around you and never let go when he chose to wrap his arms around the cross and carry it to Calvary. From the cross, he responded to your betrayal by choosing to let his hands and feet be pierced for your transgressions. From the cross, he responded to your broken promises by keeping all of his. He chose to respond to your betrayal of him by becoming your appointed savior. While we were still sinners, Scripture says. Yes, while we were still sinning, while we were in the midst of it, rejecting Him, hating Him, betraying Him, Christ died for us. When you chose to curse Him and leave Him, He chose to bless you and keep you. When you chose to hate Him, He chose to be gracious to you. When you turned your face away from him to betray him unto death, he chose to lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. When his blood poured out of his veins and pores, when his head was anointed by his own sweat and tears, when the wrath of God and anger and disappointment and hatred of God against all sin in this world and all sin in us was heaped upon him, he chose to love you through it all. He chose not to regret A single moment of his pain and suffering for the joy that was set before him, the joy of earning you, of winning you, of having you forever. As God poured out his life for you, he covered all your sin and betrayal underneath the flood of his grace. And he buried it all beneath an avalanche of his mercy. As Jesus cried out, it is finished from the cross and and breathed his last He took away your betraying words and he unspoke those words that you spoke against him. Dear saints, no matter how many times you've betrayed your dear Lord before, no matter how many times you've given in to the temptation of the devil, no matter how many times you've scoffed at him, mocked him, spit in his face, were ashamed of him, in all of these sins, Jesus died and forgave each and every one. And so that you would know that your sin is forgiven that you would be strengthened in faith, so that you would have hope that he will not abandon you, and so that you would know that everything Jesus did, he did for you tonight. He gives you the body and blood that earned it for you, to you. Tonight, he gives you his gift of forgiveness and eternal life, so that as certain as you have received his body and blood into your mouth, that's how certain your sins are forgiven before the face of God. That when you received at the beginning of Lent the ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross marking you as one who would die. Tonight you received a shape of, the, the, the shape of the cross on your forehead erasing 
that death and erasing those ashes from your forehead, saying that you are forgiven, that God holds none of these sins against you. And tonight he gives you his body, not figuratively or symbolically, his body, his very body, his true body, his actual, literal, physical body, the one that was torn and bled for you, he gives it to you. This very flesh that was bruised for your sins, he gives it to you. The blood that dripped from his face, he gives it to you tonight. Tonight, when you come to this altar again, you repent of all the temptations you've rushed into. You repent of all the times you've taken your sin lightly, you've defended it and excused it. You repent of all the times you've refused to come to church to hear his word. Repent of how you failed to live up to the promises and your confirmation vows. Repent of all the times you've walked away from your baptism, you've forgotten it, and you were nowhere to be found. Repent of all the times you thought you had something more important to consider and think about and listen to than the precious words of Christ. Repent of all the times you flippantly opened your mouth to receive forgiveness. Repent of it. And don't ever worry about it again because tonight Jesus puts those sins away forever know that your sin is great but know that your Savior is even greater tonight Jesus takes away all the bitterness and the despair he takes away all your sadness and as you receive his flesh and blood for your forgiveness keep in mind your dear Lord's stubborn irrepressible steadfast refusal to ever turn away from you. Tonight, cling to your Lord who clung to you and refused to let you go. Return to the one who never turned away from you. Put your faith in the one who loved you unto the end and will never deceive you or betray you. O sinner, come your sin to mourn so vast and vile that it has borne Christ to this veil of anguish. Son of a virgin, sweet and mild in poverty, the holy child, your substitute, did languish. Behold, with faith, God's only Son come nigh and see what love has done to save you from damnation. The Father cast on him your guilt. For you, his precious blood was spilt to bless you with salvation. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.